Check test. Hey, good morning. Good morning. Y'all are a lively bunch this morning. That's good. As you can see on our screen, it's a special day today. It's Palm Sunday. Uh, it's always good to encounter those seasons of the year that remind us about the work of our Savior Jesus Christ and to remind us that we have so many reasons to worship. And I hope that's why you came this morning. This, we are blessed in our community to have a great social life. Uh, we, don't, we don't have uh, you know, all of the things that the big towns do, but we got good folks. We love to visit with each other. But, uh, you know, we got other times we can do that. This morning's about Jesus Christ, and uh, I'm glad you're here. If you're visiting with us, we are sure thankful that you've attended church with us today. You'll notice in the bulletin, and if you're not sure how to do this, just ask a six-year-old, and they'll tell you how to scan this QR code, and it will take you to an online bulletin. Scroll down to the bottom. There's a connection card. It's pretty cool. Uh, At any rate, we're glad you're here. Uh, a couple of announcements tonight. First of all, tonight at 6.30, it is our monthly business meeting. And as I say each time, uh, as a member of Cherokee Baptist Church, it's your right, your privilege, and your responsibility to participate in these meetings. So please make every effort to attend. Uh, a couple more announcements I just want to gloss over real quick. Um, if you're interested in going to the Art of Marriage Conference in San Saba at First Baptist Church, there's, uh, you can go to their website. There's also information in the foyer on the bulletin board. Uh, if you haven't yet signed up for CentraKid, just make sure you holler at Jerry about that. And then want to point out again our Easter schedule. Um, so at 7.30 at, at uh, Indian Stadium, then the deacons will provide breakfast for us at 8, Easter egg hunt at 9, Sunday school at 10, 11 o'clock worship. And there will be no evening service that night, so um, we can be together with our families, which we all enjoy. Uh, one final thing to point out to you, and I am so grateful for this. Um, as usual, we, we're like $40 away from hitting our uh, Annie Armstrong uh, offering goal. We're sitting at $5,960, and our giving goal is 6000 and we're barely into the month of April. And we'll continue to take that offering all the way through the month of April. So if you have not yet had the chance to give, there's still time for you to do so. I also wanted to point out, on the back row, or on the table in the back, uh, we got these for free from Crossway. It's a section of a book, um, but it's the section about Easter stories. And so uh, this, this is for children. Uh, you're welcome to take these. If we run out back there, I've got more in a box in my office. But you are welcome to take those. Please do. Uh, don't read them during the service. I see some of the parents are going, this is really cool. I don't know if I'm going to give this to my kid. Now give it to your child. Um, so anyway... Uh, let's see, there's one other thing, uh, Kelly, I need to do announce about eggs, right? Okay, um, we are going to have an Easter egg ne- hunt next week, and uh, what do they need to bring? Prepackaged stuff? Eggs, plastic eggs that are already stuffed. What do they need to be stuffed with on the inside? Whatever your heart desires. <laughs> Colt says money, okay. All right, well... And uh, we would need those, if you can have them here by Friday, would that be good? Have them here by Friday, just put them on the dessert table in the fellowship hall, that'd be great. That way we have an idea, kind of ahead of time, if we have uh, enough eggs. Um, Anything else before we have our call to worship? All right, for call to worship this morning, I'm going to read Psalm 32. And and before I do so, I'd like to ask us all to just, just bow your head real quick. Um, I don't know what your week has been like. I don't know what you've been dealing with this week. Uh, But sin is ever crouching at our door. And if your feet are made of clay, you've sinned this week. And I don't say that um, to condemn you, uh, but to remind you we're not to hold on to that. That Christ Jesus was crucified. And that we may... Come to Him and confess our sins. I want to pause for just a brief silence, and then I'll uh, ask you to raise your head, and and I'll read Psalm 32 just over us to remind us about how Christ covers our sins. Well, if you would... 
Look up here as I read Psalm 32. Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no deceit. And perhaps you felt like this before, verses 3 and 4. When I kept silent, my bones wasted away. I threw my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was dried up as by the heat of summer. See, that's what happens when we hold on to our sin. But David continues, he says, I acknowledged my sin to you and I did not cover my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord and you forgave, hallelujah, the iniquity of my sin. Well, therefore, let everyone who is godly offer prayer to you at a time when you may be found. Surely in the great rush of waters they shall not reach him. But you, Lord, are a hiding place for me. You preserve me from trouble. You surround me with shouts of deliverance. Many of the sorrows... Many are the sorrows of the wicked, but the steadfast love surrounds the one who trusts in the Lord. Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, O righteous, and shout for joy, all you upright in heart. Let's stand and worship together. sovereign God, that you are King of kings and Lord of lords, and we worship you this morning, Father. Not just because you deserve it, but because you have stepped down and made a way for us to be holy, made a way for us to be right, so that we may glorify you in all things, God. You have made us glad this morning, Father. You have brought us joy, so be glorified in us.
Good morning. It's so good to see you here today. You know, it's getting to be that time of year. I love flowers. Do you guys like flowers? Have you ever planted any? Well, you know, it takes seeds to grow flowers, right? And so um, sometimes you get petunias and sometimes you get geraniums and sometimes you get begonias depending on the seeds you plant. Um, can you tell if there's a seed in here? Hmm? It just looks like a pot of dirt, right? We don't know if there's a seed in there. You know, the wonderful thing about studying God's Word is that it just kind of gets implanted in your heart. And then when you look at something like this, it reminds you of things that you've learned in the Bible. Like, um, let me see if you can see this one. Here's some pretty little petunias. They're going to grow up and be big. Here's some little dead leaves right here. And so I need to pinch those off because they're, they're just kind of dead. It's a part of the flower that's not doing much. So it'll help the flower grow more if I get rid of that dead part. And here's some little blossoms that haven't even opened up. And that reminds me of the fact that we may have some gifts that the Holy Spirit has given us that haven't even opened up and blossomed in our lives. Um, but something that this really reminds me of is that we cannot tell if there's a seed in here. The Bible has taught us that God planted a garden before he ever created the earth. He planted, he planned, he chose what kind of flowers each one of us would turn into and uh, when we look at people we can't tell if uh, God has planted a seed of faith in people you know every Sunday before we leave we read the Great Commission you know have y'all memorized it yet let me read it to you um, he said all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. What that tells me is that we're supposed to go everywhere watering people with the word and fertilizing them with the things that we know about Jesus Christ because you never know who God has planted a seed in. And unless they hear the gospel of Jesus Christ, they can't believe. And so we need to be faithful to go everywhere to tell everyone about Jesus Christ because he has chosen his children and they need to hear the word before they can believe because he puts that seed of belief in them and we need to be waterers. Let's pray. Father, I thank you, Lord, for your precious scriptures that we can just implant it in our hearts and then when we look around us, Lord, we are reminded of your goodness. We're reminded of the things that you have taught us. Father, I thank you, Lord, for these precious children. I pray, Father, that they will continually be watered with your word and that they will grow up in faith and have a strong and firm belief in you. For it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. I was reminded this morning as she was doing that, that three years ago, about this time, um, someone brought a dead chicken to church. <laughs> it, it was greatness. As a uh, 
non-raised country boy that was definitely left a lasting impression. Um, let's turn together the book of Psalms 118. If you have your copy of God's Word, I encourage you to open it. If not, it's on the screen or there are also Bibles there in the pew in front of you. Open to me the gates of righteousness, that I may enter through them and give thanks to the Lord. This is the gate of the Lord. The righteous shall enter through it. I thank you that you have answered me and have become my salvation. The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. This is the Lord's doing. It is marvelous in our eyes. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Save us, we pray, O Lord. O Lord, we pray, give us success. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. We bless you from the house of the Lord. The Lord is God, and he has made his light to shine upon us. Bind the festal sacrifice with cords up to the horns of the altar. You are my God, and I will give thanks to you. You are my God. I will extol you. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. sent your son as a sacrifice. Let us celebrate you today, Father. Let us celebrate not like the fickle crowds that called out Hosanna and then called crucify. But God is your children. You are worthy. sing this together.
God, today, teach us what we do not know. Give us what we do not have. And show us who you are. In the name of Jesus Christ alone, we pray. Amen. If you would, please take your copy of God's Word and turn this morning to Matthew chapter 21. This being Palm Sunday, we will be looking at the triumphal entry as recorded in Matthew's Gospel. If you didn't bring a Bible, you should find a hardback black one somewhere around you. Turn to the back, find page 17. That will be Matthew 21. Um, I have 11 points for this morning's sermon. Um, My favorite numbers are 11 and 92, and I knew if I gave you the choice between 11 and 92, you'd choose three, so 11 it is. Uh, And for that reason, we won't stand this morning for uh, the reading of God's Word because I will just read it as we cover it during the sermon. I would ask you, if you would please, bow for a word of prayer. We'll commit this time to the Lord. Gracious Father, we thank you for a son who set his face like flint to go to Jerusalem, knowing what lay ahead of him, who for the joy set before him despised the cross, scorning its shame. And he went to the cross and he bore its full wrath. And he went to your right hand. And he sat down showing that all that he had done was all that was needed. We praise you for our Savior. We praise you for the gift of salvation. Open our eyes that we may discover wonderful things in the law that you have given us. In Christ's name, amen. The title of this morning's sermon is, Who is this? You might wonder, well, where where does that come from? If you look down in verse 16, there's a question. uh, And the the Pharisees, um, sorry, not verse 16. Am I in the right chapter of the Bible? It's in verse 10. had it wrong in my notes. It says, when he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred up saying, Who is this? Uh, It's not that they really didn't know who Jesus was. They were just missing who Jesus really was. So that's why the subtitle for this morning's sermon is How to Miss Jesus. Uh, Because it is quite possible to see Jesus. And to miss the totality of who He is. Now I recognize we, don't, we have incomplete knowledge of Christ in this life. Um, imperfect knowledge of Christ in this life. When we graduate to our eternal home, we won't have incomplete knowledge. I'm sorry, we won't, our, our knowledge won't be imperfect. We will have incomplete knowledge because for all eternity we will get to know our Savior. But in this life we fight against the fallen mind. Hearts that wander, and folks obviously that um, still are in their sins, and they can see Jesus and miss Him. In John 1.14, John writes, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen His glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Which reminds us, Jesus came to earth from heaven. But notice what John says in chapter 1, verses 10 and 11. He says he was in the world, talking about Christ Jesus. And the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, talking about Israel, and his own people did not receive him. They saw Christ, but they missed him. Other people miss Christ in different ways. Romans 1, 19 through 20. Talks, Paul says this, For what can be known about God is plain to them. Talking about the lost. Because God has shown it to them. For His invisible attributes, namely His eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world and the things that have been made. So they are without excuse. For although they knew God, they did not honor Him as God or give thanks to Him. But they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. Jesus went to the Pharisees once and said, You search the Scriptures Uh, Because you think that in them you have eternal life. And they bear witness about me. And they were always crossways with Jesus. You think about how Saul, before he became Paul, had missed who Jesus was. So it is quite possible for people to miss Jesus. So if you want to miss Jesus, let's look in verse 1, read 1 through 3, and see a way that we can miss Jesus. It says... Verse 1, Now when they drew near to Jerusalem and came to Bethphage, to the Mount of Olives, 
Then Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village in front of you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, you shall say the Lord needs you at once. Now Jesus obviously is is on the edge of town. Bethphage is uh, to the east of Jerusalem. It sets um, on the slopes of the Mount of Olives. And as Jesus neared, uh, he sent these two disciples ahead saying, you will find this donkey and a colt there. Go get them. Uh, And I want to submit to you that if you want to miss Jesus, resist his lordship. Now, in this text in particular, the disciples followed this command. But we can look at this and ask the question, well, what if they didn't? What if they had resisted the lordship of Christ? The reason I pose that question is because it is not uncommon for believers as well as unbelievers to resist the lordship of Christ. Imagine one of the disciples, it doesn't tell us who they were in in Matthew, saying to Jesus, Jesus, we've walked all this way and now you want to ride? I mean, we're just right here on the edge of town. But what do we miss when we resist the lordship of Christ? John 21, Christ told Peter, Cast your net down on the right side of the boat and you will find some fish. What if Peter had said, and he did in other uh, gospels, Lord, we have toiled all night long. But because you said it, I'll do it. And he put down his nets and the catch was so great. So we, we understand that resisting Christ's lordship always comes at a cost. Because disobedience, first of all, is sin. But then think also about how when we disobey the Lord, when we resist His Lordship, how we miss out on a blessing. How these disciples, obedient to Christ Jesus, went and found this donkey. And once again, He is truly King of kings and Lord of lords. Well, if we continue in verses 4 and 5, we'll find another way that you can miss Jesus. It says, This took place to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet, saying... Say to the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you, humble, and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of the beast of burden. Matthew, very often, if you have a new American Standard Bible, that's the Pew Bible, by the way, you'll notice that uh, Old Testament um, quotations are in all caps, so that you know uh, this points back to something in the Old Testament that pointed forward to Jesus. So very often you'll find prophecy. And verse 5, if you have a New American Standard, it's going to be in all caps. Because this is quoting from the book of Zechariah about what Jesus would one day do in fulfillment of prophecy. But if you want to miss Jesus, forget His centrality. Prophecies about Christ in the Old Testament, which He fulfilled completely, they prove His centrality. There are many types of, illusions in the Old Testament, things that are called shadows that point forward to Jesus Christ. The Gospels speak of Him. Acts tells of His work in the church. The epistles help us to understand what He has accomplished on the cross. And Revelation, as we read it, we may get lost in some of the weeds, but what we do understand is that our hopes are pinned on what Christ Jesus will do in the last day. Jesus is central to the story of Scripture. And not only that, I would submit, if you want to miss Jesus, forget His centrality in this way. By making church attendance about socializing. By making His teachings about self-help and personal kingdom building. And worship about what I get out of it. Jesus is central here. That's why we try to put Him, exalt Him each week. Get ourselves out of the way so our eyes can look upon the risen Christ. If you want to miss Jesus, forget His centrality. He is the sun around which all of us orbit, not vice versa. Next, if you want to miss Jesus, let's read verses 5 again and then verse 7. Verse 5 says, Say to the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you, humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a beast of burden. And then in verse 7, They brought the donkey and the colt and put them on cloaks, and he sat on them. 
You might think, if Jesus was going to make a big splash on the scene, as I was preparing this week, I thought about uh, a man who was in, I think, in a New York uh, high-rise building and, and came down a set of stairs to the applause of a great many people because he wanted to make a big splash because he was running for president. Now, Jesus goes about this differently. And I submit to you that if you want to miss Jesus, minimize his majesty. What do I mean by that? Jesus, you're going to make a big splash on the world by riding in on a donkey. You're going to come in humble. Well, that's because we're human. And our ideas, our notions about the majesty of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords... They're different than who Jesus really is. We often want him to conform to our notions of majesty. Like King Saul's armor on David, human notions and opinions of majesty just don't fit Jesus. Pilate says to Jesus when when he was before him, Are you a king? Because he just couldn't imagine a crucified king. The sign on the cross said, King of the Jews. And people went by and they laughed at a crucified king. The reason we minimize the majesty of Jesus is because we failed to see that how he revealed himself is majestic. We get things flip-flopped. You know, Paul came to the conclusion in Philippians 2 after he spoke about how Christ not wanting to to hold on to his glory with God, his equality with God, he humbled himself and he took on human flesh. And he was obedient. He became a servant, obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. And from that, Paul then says, Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. You want to miss Jesus. Minimize how His majesty looks. doesn't conform to the way that we might think about it. But if you want to see Him fully and clearly, look into the way He revealed His majesty. Next. We look in verses 6 and 7 and see another way to miss Jesus. It says in verse 6, The disciples went and did as Jesus had directed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and put on them their cloaks, and he sat on them. I submit to you that if you want to miss Jesus, question his sovereignty. Now, why do I say that? There are some scholars, and it, it really, I can understand why, but yet I still don't fully understand, who will say that the donkey and the colt was prearranged by Jesus and that when he sent the disciples, things were already set up so that when he sent the disciples with the code word, the Lord needs them, that the people who were trying to make sure that no one took the donkey and the colt would then know these disciples were sent by Jesus and then they would be able to take the pair to Christ, just as had been rearranged. There there are scholars that believe that. And I'll submit to you, that's possible. That, That is completely within the realm of possibility. But go back and read. Sit down this afternoon and read the book of Matthew and see how often Matthew reveals Jesus as God in the flesh with supernatural power and authority because He is Emmanuel, God with us. Even though Jesus laid aside His glory, He was still omnipotent. He still had all authority. He could do whatever He chose to do because He is the creator and sustainer of all things. For from Him and through Him and to Him are all things. Peter, after Christ was risen and ascended, one day was on the roof praying and the Holy Spirit came upon him And he fell into a vision, a trance. And three times there was a sheet that was uh, lowered from heaven. It had unclean animals in it. 
Peter was told, take and eat. Three times he said, Lord, no, I would never do that. That's unclean. I'm a Jew. Finally, the Lord said to him, don't declare unclean what I've declared clean. Help Peter to connect the dots that salvation wasn't just for the Jews only, but also for the Gentiles. And then he said, there, the Lord told him, there is a man coming to you. And there's a man that you're, you're to go with these men when they come for you. For there's a man that, that is waiting to talk to you. And, and in God's sovereignty, in the Lord's sovereignty, God had arranged for Peter to be in the right place at the right time. And because of that, Cornelius the centurion became a Christian. How often we might say, Lord, you want me to do what now? And question his sovereignty and miss out on seeing once again how gloriously sovereign our Savior truly is. Next, if you want to miss Jesus, verses 8 and 9. It says, Most of the crowds spread their cloaks on the road, and the crowds that went before Him and that followed Him were shouting, Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed is, blessed is He who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Now, these people, they were so, I think, at this time, so very excited to see Jesus. But there was a problem. And I think they were, and, and I submit to you that if you want to miss Jesus, misappropriate His reign. If you want to miss Jesus, misappropriate His reign. When the people, in verse 8, spread their cloaks on the ground and cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road, and when they were saying, Hosanna to the Son of David, blessed is He who comes in the name of the Lord, Hosanna in the highest, they were acknowledging that Jesus They were acknowledging His claim to be the King of the Jews. And they were using Old Testament Scripture to praise Him and to say, come save us. That's what Hosanna means. Save us now. But I think they worshipped what they wanted from Jesus. He was the mascot for their cause. It's too easy. For people to take Jesus and make him the mascot for your cause. Because what they wanted Jesus to come and do was not come in on a donkey, but to come in on a steed with an army ready to conquer the Romans and to push them out and to usher in to bring back the glory days, the golden days of Israel. But that's not why Jesus came. But they wanted him, they wanted to misappropriate his reign. They wanted him to be the mascot for their cause. This is not the first time we've seen this happen in Scripture. Peter, uh, when Jesus asked uh, the disciples at Caesarea Philippi, he said, who do, the, who do the people say that I, the Son of Man, am? And they gave the different answers. And he And Peter said, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And then Jesus, after this, told them, it's necessary that I go to Jerusalem and I be betrayed into the hands of the scribes and the chief priests and that I be crucified and rise again. And you remember what uh, what Peter did? He took him aside and rebuked him. Why do I believe that Jesus... In that moment, I believe that Peter was trying to Make Jesus. No, 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 Jesus. That's not how you're going to be king. You're going to be king in this way. This is what we had in mind. Peter was misappropriating the reign of Christ. That's why Christ Jesus said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. Next, if you want to miss Jesus, let's look in verse 10. And when he had entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred up, saying, Who is this? If you want to miss Jesus, value feelings over truth. You want to miss Jesus, value feelings over truth. Notice in verse 10 it says the whole city was stirred up. Literally in the Greek it's like there was Jesus brought an earthquake to town. There was so much excitement, so much uh, emotion running wild. But notice it says the whole city was stirred up saying who is this? Now they knew it was Jesus because the question is answered in verse 11. But they were having to come to grips with, who who really is this? Now again, I submit to you, 
that their feelings were, were the way that they received Christ and the feeling that was caught up in how they received Him. It indicated their truth. This is what I believe about who this prophet from Nazareth of Galilee really is. We ought to be reminded regularly, especially in the day and age in which we live, feelings don't determine truth. Truth grounds our emotions. When I say truth, I'm talking about the truth is revealed in Scripture. Truth grounds our emotions and it guides us in rightly expressing our emotions in worship of Christ. Now because these people largely misappropriated the reign of Christ for themselves, which was based on a false understanding, it led to a swell of emotion and fervor for a Christ they really didn't know. Which is why so uh, it, it's, it's postulated, and it may be true, it may not be, and I'm not casting shade at you, James, that, um, that the people who said Hosanna were the people that came later and said crucify him. Because once they found out who he really was, that wasn't who they wanted. No, they, that their feelings demonstrated their truth. And it's so easy to get caught up in feelings over truth. How many times I saw this at youth camp when I was a youth minister. How they would go, and, and youth camp is often set up. The kids get tired, uh, and they're busy all day, and they come into a dark room, and there's this music, and, and, and the, it's, it's, all, it's almost like it's, it's set up in such a way that it's meant to evoke in them this emotional response. And how many times I saw youth come home, and the feelings didn't last. The feelings weren't grounded in truth. They just enjoyed the feelings. And if you want to miss Jesus, value feelings over truth. Next, if you want to miss Jesus, let's look in verse 11. It says, And the crowd said, This is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth of Galilee. I submit to you, if you want to miss Jesus, diminish His transcendence. What I mean by transcendence is that God is wholly other. He is not like us. Christ Jesus, He became human. Without losing his deity. Christ Jesus, though he walked on earth among us, he is still transcendent. He is over us. If you want to miss Jesus, diminish his transcendence. When the question was asked in verse 10, who is this? It says in verse 11, the crowd said, this is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth of Galilee. Now this is absolutely true. God had promised Moses, uh, the people through Moses in Deuteronomy... I will raise up a prophet after you from among the people. This is is Christ Jesus fulfilling this particular prophecy. So it's true what they say. This is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth of Galilee. But it's not the whole truth. Why do I say this? Because so often people who are skeptics, they believe that Jesus was just a prominent religious figure. He's just a prophet. He's just a teacher. That is true. Jesus was a teacher and a prophet, but Jesus was and is unlike any other teacher and prophet. Moses was a teacher and prophet, but Jesus is far greater because of his transcendence. John the Baptist was a teacher and prophet, but Jesus was far greater because of his transcendence. And this is why John the Baptist said in John 3.30, He must increase and I must decrease. Jesus is more than a prophet. He is the true prophet, but he's more than a prophet. Jesus is the consummate teacher, but he's more than a teacher. And if you want to miss Jesus, diminish his transcendence. Next, if you want to miss Jesus, let's look in verses 12 and 13. It says, And Jesus entered the temple and drove out all who sold and bought in the temple. And he overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold pigeons. He said to them, It is written, My house shall be called a house of prayer, but you make it a den of robbers. I submit to you that if you want to miss Jesus, disrupt his worship. God declares in Scripture how he is to be worshipped, how he will receive worship. And if you deviate from what he reveals in His Word, you can expect Him to act. Remember, um, Abihu and Nadab, I think I've got their names right, they brought into the Holy of Holies false fire. God struck them dead. 
because he had prescribed to them, this is how you worship. If you want to miss Jesus, disrupt his worship. How is the worship of Christ being disrupted? Or the worship of God here, there was buying and selling in this area known as the court of the Gentiles. Unless you were a a Jew, you could not come past the court of the Gentiles and go worship as the Jews would. And when people came in from out of town, knowing that they needed to sacrifice uh, and couldn't possibly bring the sacrifice with them, well, that makes for a good business opportunity. And, and I don't say that flippantly because in some sense there was a service being provided, which was a good service. If people weren't able to bring the sacrifice, let, let's make it available to where they can purchase the sacrifice. But there was, it became a money-making endeavor. See, people often brought in money that had an image on it. And money that had an image on it could not be brought into the temple. So there was an exchange system set up. And you could be idle free for a fee. And where they would often set up this business was in the court of the Gentiles. Right where the Gentiles were coming to pray to the Lord. So in making this service available... They put up obstacles to others' worship. In the Lord's Supper, in 1 Corinthians 11, Paul says, you come together and some of you gorge yourselves before others have ever had an opportunity to eat. And there's division among you. In other words, you put obstacles in the way of worship. He also mentions in 1 Corinthians about eating meat offered to idols and how that can be disruptive in worship and causing someone to stumble. I think here, the worship of the Lord was being disrupted. And if you want to miss Jesus, disrupt His worship. Next, in verse 14, we see another way you can miss Jesus. It says, And the blind and the lame came to Him in the temple, and He healed them. I submit to you, if you want to miss Jesus, disrespect His creatures. If you were blind and lame, it's very possible, very likely... Uh, especially in this time, that uh, the religious leaders took a particular uh, verse in Scripture and over-applied it, which they were prone to do. And they prevented the blind and lame from coming near for worship because of their condition. They were cut off from the worship of God because these creatures that God had created were disrespected. If you want to miss Jesus, disrespect His creatures, care little about the less fortunate. But notice what Jesus did. Whereas there was exclusion of these people, Jesus came to the temple. And those people came to Him and they were healed of their infirmities. And by doing so, now they were fully able to be full participants in worship. Finally, but not second to finally. If you want to miss Jesus... Verses 15 and 16. When the chief priests and scribes saw the wonderful things that he did and the children crying out in the temple, Hosanna to the son of David, they were indignant. And and they said to him, Do you hear what these are saying? And Jesus said to them, Yes, have you never read out of the mouth of infants and nursing babes, babies you have prepared praise? If you want to miss Jesus, deny his deity. That's what these Pharisees were doing. Jesus had come and had said that He was the Son of God, but the Pharisees did not see Jesus' deity. They only saw a mere man who claimed to be God. Perhaps in their eyes, Christ did miracles, but as they said, only through the power of Satan. And Jesus said, Why? A house divided against itself cannot stand. Perhaps they thought back to Exodus where Moses and Aaron went into Pharaoh and and they did miracles and then the magicians of Pharaoh did the same miracles. So obviously, that can happen. But they, they, they thought Jesus was a mere man. Even after He rose from the dead on the third day after His crucifixion, they still thought Jesus was a mere man. If you want to miss Jesus, deny His deity. Finally, if you want to miss Jesus, let's look at verse 17. It says, And leaving them, he went out of the city to Bethany and lodged there. If you want to miss Jesus, crowd out his presence. It's very possible here 
that Jerusalem, like Bethlehem, was so full that Jesus couldn't find a place to stay. So he went to Bethany where he had friends. And how ironic that would be for Jesus to be received as he was and then find no room in Jerusalem. You know, we sing at Christmas, let every heart prepare him room. How often do we crowd out the presence of Christ in our life because our lives are so full and so busy? If you want to miss Jesus, crowd out his presence. Jesus is the King of Kings. He is the Lord of Lords. He is the sun around which which all else orbits. He's the transcendent God who came near. He is King. In fact, He is the King of Kings. He is the true prophet. He is the Word become flesh, the God-man. And He is worthy of true worship, the worship that exalts Him and humbles the worshiper, that brings the worshiper near without compromising the holiness of God and worship that is in accordance with Scripture today. I want to ask you, How are you missing Christ today? As we think about this week being Holy Week, let's not let it be just another Holy Week. Sit with this scripture, with these points, and ask Christ Jesus, how how am I missing you? Am I questioning your sovereignty? Am I resisting your lordship? For others of you, Perhaps this is a better way to put the decision to you. Are you missing Christ? How are you missing Christ? When Christ was crucified, there were two men crucified next to Him. At one time, both of them looked down their noses at Christ, condemning Him. One totally missed Jesus, the Savior of the world, dying on a cross right next to him and he missed him and it resulted in that man's condemnation the other man missed Jesus initially but praise God God opened the man's eyes he regenerated the man's heart and he helped him to see and to hear and to believe resulting in life if you have never placed your faith and trust in Christ Jesus You are, in fact. Imagine yourself on the cross next to him, one of the thieves, fully deserving of death. One of the thieves is condemned. One of the thieves or criminals, he receives life. You can come to church week after week after week and miss the fact that Christ Jesus died for your sin. And unless you put your faith and trust in Him, you will be the one condemned like the thief that despised the Savior. But you don't have to die for your own sins because Christ Jesus is on the cross, was on the cross next to the man who confessed faith. See, you can either die for your sins or Christ can die for your sins. That's the only two ways to go. And I want to encourage you, don't miss Jesus. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you for a triumphant Savior. People looked at him and they missed him. Not all did. You open the eyes of many people that they might see who He was. Lord, You have spoken completely in Your Son. We have the full revelation of Your Scripture. We can look at the world and we can see that there is a good God. Lord, if there are any here today that they are missing Jesus, open their hearts and their minds, regenerate them, make them new that they might turn from their sin and not die in their condemnation they might receive Jesus and live. We pray it in Christ's name. Amen. I want you to stand. We're going to sing all of this song. All glory be to Christ. Now as Christians, we can look at what Christ did on the cross and in the triumphal entry. We realize 
that we must glorify Christ. There's nothing within us really worthy of glory. All glory goes to Him. If you need to make a decision during this time, uh, please come forward at the time. Otherwise, we're going to sing this through and just glorify our Savior. for a brief moment. Uh, well, any updates you might want to share? Pam, do you want to share anything about Mike? Um, he did have baby cancer, so he's in the school field. She will be in the study. Okay. So he does have some damage to his liver. And he's on a strict diet. Very strict. Right? And that is causing him to do that. Okay. Man, for Amanda to hear, you got to be on a strict diet. We, now, we realize this, this is stage three scarring, and so Mike's got to make some big decisions. So we pray, we pray for Mike. Uh, ben uh, Campbell's going to have a procedure done tomorrow uh, in Austin. Um, I think that's the one they're going to put uh, something near his heart uh, to help with blood clots. Um, continue to pray for Tommy's family, Tommy McCown. It was so odd to look right there. 
and Tommy not be there to find that half the pot of coffee wasn't already drank this morning by the time I got in there to get a cup. You know, just little things that you remember about people you love. Uh, continue to pray Mary Catherine's family and the loss of Kenneth. Um, are there others we need to bring up right now? Any, anything we need to pray about from your perspective? Any other updates? Yes, sir? Oh, yes, thank you. Uh, Nell, um, <clears throat> I don't know if you have all have heard, uh, she has stage 5 bone cancer. You can actually have stage 5 uh, breast cancer and bone cancer. She has stage 5 bone cancer. She found that out, and, and so our hearts are breaking for, for Nell, for Chuck. We know that uh, we thought that after she had the surgery on her mouth that things were in the clear, and so uh, what a shock uh, to her. Um, anyone else? All right, well, let's stand, and we'll have a word of prayer. We'll say the Great Commission, and we'll be dismissed. Father, we do uh, praise you for being our great physician uh, and for being our great comforter. Uh, We uh, praise you that uh, things didn't come back any worse than they were for Mike and that he can make some changes in his life. Uh, We pray that this study uh, would prove beneficial and that Mike's health would improve. Pray for for Pam as well. Uh, She supports Mike and... and, um, Just pray that we all would lift him up in prayer. We also pray, Lord, for Ben as he has his procedure done tomorrow and that it would uh, go go smoothly. And pray for he and Blake that they'd have a good time together. We also pray for Nell. Lord, bring comfort to her heart. Uh, Give her strength and peace. Uh, Comfort uh, Chuck as well uh, that he might be able to continue to to love her well. Um, And so, Father, we, we also pray... Uh, for our church, uh, that you would send us out uh, to be the people you've called us to be, that you have purchased for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's say the Great Commission together. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go there.